Hi, I'm Nick Hours, lead pen tester here at Sedara, and welcome to the Whiteboard Series. Today, I want to talk about what to look for in a quality pen test. So, what we see here at Sedara is a number of our clients who have basically talked to us about some of their previous pen test experiences or engagements, and um, it's been a mixed bag. Sometimes you'll get uh, people who are very happy and we're um, just moving to a new vendor or entertaining new vendors out of what they consider best practice. Um, other times people were more skeptical with the results and um, come to us with a lot of questions uh, in terms of what they really should be looking for out of a pen test. Um, and that's exactly what we want to discuss here today. <clears throat> so the, big, the biggest thing is a vulnerability scan is not a pen test. Um, it may be part of a pen test, but only a small part of a pen test. Um, in fact, if we look at one of the most industry-recognized pen test certifications called Offensive Security Certified Professional, OSCP, um, they have about 900 pages of content that you review for that exam, and 30 of those pages are dedicated to vulnerability scanning. So you can imagine the rest of that content is very uh, human-interactive-driven human kind of content. Um, you're not just clicking scan and seeing what happens. So if we look at OSCP and the following certifications that come after that, they actually get increasingly difficult and uh, more complicated. and and less involved in vulnerability scanning and more involved in manual human interaction with different um, technologies in terms of uh, probing them for vulnerabilities. So, that, so that's one, one big thing right there is, is vulnerability scans are not a pen test. Um, a couple other things is even if you want to factor in a vulnerability scan being a big part of your uh, attack surface reduction, we'll call it, um, you know, there's plenty of things that could go wrong with a vulnerability scan. Um, first, you have to, A, account for all of your assets. If you don't know where all of your assets are, there's going to be missed vulnerabilities, potentially, because um, there's missed assets in terms of scanning. If you are setting your scans up to be authenticated, which you should, um, you have to make sure not only do you have credentials that are supplied to the scanner for all of your Windows devices and everything on Active Directory, but you also have to think about things like any routing and switching gear, which maybe requires uh, different sets of credentials, and a lot of times those are not as easy to scale as like an Active Directory credential. So um, other things that you could think about in terms of what can go wrong with vulnerability scan is, again, missing credentials, um, missing assets, and then interpreting the results, which aren't always super obvious. Um, so those are a couple things that are, are potential downfalls of a vulnerability scan in itself, on top of that not really being the whole pen test. Um, so when somebody tries to pass that off as a pen test, it's really, it's, it's not doing yourself a favor uh, if, if you're really trying to lock down your environment. Um, furthermore, uh, a vulnerability scan will only really identify easy to find vulnerabilities, and those are not necessarily a, low-value vulnerabilities, but there's a good chance that they've already been found or, or are very simple to exploit. Um, we would call the type of attacker that can exploit these sort of things a script kitty. Um, that just basically means they don't really need to know a ton to do the damage that's, that's, that comes from a vulnerability like this. Um, so it's not all bad with vulnerability scanners. There's a, there's a lot of things that are good from them, things I just started talking about, like 
Um, like finding some pretty bad, easy to find vulnerabilities, it's a good way to just kind of chop that off. Um, you know, another thing is certain compliances, like uh, PCI compliance, for example, which is um, basically anybody who processes any sort of credit cards, <clears throat> they, part of their compliance is actually having to get these vulnerability scans done um, semi-regularly, so uh, it may not even be an option. You may have to have that as part of your security um, plan. However, again, it is not a pen test. Um, so if you're going to start looking for a quality pen test, how do you start? Where do you start? <clears throat> well, you want to identify a qualified vendor, which is a, a company that will offer the pen test, obviously, but has somebody on staff who is certified, most likely in one of the uh, industry-recognized certifications for ethical hacking. Um, the one I spoke about prior, Offensive Security Certified Professional, is certainly a really well-known one. Uh, certified Ethical Hacker, or CEH, is another common one. Um, and CompTIA offers the Pentest Plus certification. Um, these are all certifications that if there's a pen tester on the staff of a vendor who you know, has these certs, um, there's a great chance they, they know what they need to know to get through a pen test efficiently. Um, there's really no shortcuts to these exams or certifi certifications. Um, they're proctored. You, you, they're not open note for the most part. Um, so, so if you find somebody with these certs, they know their stuff usually. Um, another thing that a well-qualified company will make obvious during a pre-engagement exercise, um, which is basically the period of time uh, that you work with a vendor in trying to identify what the pen test would encompass, um, that engagement should be just as much driven by the vendor as it is by the client. So, you know, obviously the, the, the vendor wants to sit down, they want to listen to everything the client has to say, that's important, um, but at the same time they're the experts in the subject, so they should have done a good amount of research about your organization prior to that scoping exercise, assuming there's no issue in terms of permissions or things of that nature. Um, what sort of things would the vendor know already? Um, usually it's like what sort of domains you own, subdomains that you own, public IP addresses potentially, um, sometimes even email addresses, email systems you're using, a lot of that stuff could be very easy to identify for a well-qualified vendor. And when they meet with you, they should be encouraging that you put it all in scope, um, meaning that it's all part of the pen test. Um, and the reason why is because the pen test is supposed to be <clears throat> replicating what a real-world attacker would do. And so when we hear vendor, or I'm sorry, when we hear clients say, you know, well, we want to take this out of scope, we want to take that out of scope, we understand a lot of times that there's a budget reason, um, or we already know this is bad, so let's just avoid that. But a real-world attacker isn't, isn't going to do that. They're just going to go after anything they can if it fits their need or their goal. Um, so we usually try to work through this detailed scoping process as much as we can um, personally at Sedara. Um, and this way the client knows that we are just diligent. You know, we've, we've done our research, we care to find as much as we can, similar to how an attacker would do so. Um, and then we want to ask questions for growing the scope in areas that <clears throat> we uh, don't have visibility to. So your internal network, your LAN network, whatever you want to call it, um, we don't have access to that prior to a pen test engagement. So while we won't have necessarily your internal IPs and server names and such, um, we know the right questions to ask and, and really any skilled or qualified vendor should 
Um, those things would be, you know, what IP ranges do you have in place? What compliances are based around those IP ranges, um, if any? Um, do you want Wi-Fi testing? Uh, do you want social engineering? You know, how do you want social engineering completed? Should we send malware? Should we just do credential harvesting? Um, you know, just that sort of question and logic should be very obvious during the uh, pre-scoping engagement. So it really, again, kind of just continues to build on what a vendor is trying to prove they know, or at least prove that they're comfortable in executing. <clears throat> so at this point, um, hopefully you've identified that the vendor you're considering uh, getting a pen test with is, is credible um, via you know, asking about certifications, kind of observing how that pre-engagement scoping exercise went. Um, you know, seeing how passionate they are really about what is best for your environment versus just selling a pen test, right? You, you want them to actually care. It's, it's your security, it's your business. Um, so let's say we've got all that out of the way, you're ready to pull the trigger on a given vendor. Um, what should you expect during the engagement? The engagement started, well, a pen tester tries to stay quiet usually, again, just like a hacker, um, an, a malicious hacker, I should say. Um, you know, their goal is to find everything of value in the network and figure out how that would impact the business. Sometimes that's theft of intellectual property or sometimes it's simply, you know, let's use a bad uh, attacker, for example, to deploy ransomware. In either case, the attacker, good or bad, needs to have the highest level of privilege that they possibly can before they decide to execute the attack and <clears throat> to do so, they usually have to move around the environment a little bit, ideally without getting caught. Getting caught could make their job much more complex. So if you don't hear from a pen tester through an engagement, that's not necessarily um, a sign that they're not diligently uh, hard at work. However, um, there is some very important open lines of communication that should exist during the engagement. This would be primarily in the event that something negative happens. That could just be a performance issue on a given server that's being tested. This could be just super suspicious activity that there's evidence of. Um, the reason the line of communication would be so important is because the client should feel very comfortable going straight to the pen tester. I guess the real point here is knowing that the pen tester has answers other than yes or no, basically. When they when they talk through the process with you of any really given situation that occurs during the engagement, it just sheds light on the fact that they're confident in what they're doing and they know what they're talking about. Um, so you have open lines of communication, you are going through your engagement, you know, if anything bad happens, it's, that's really the main reason why a communication would occur during the engagement. Um, you're starting to wrap up and you're looking forward to that report. What do you want to look for in the report? What, what would your expectations be? Well, again, not to beat up on the vulnerability scan, but if it looks like that's all you have in, in your report, um, that is a red flag. That is uh, certainly potentially a indication that some vendor maybe just put your information into a scanner, hit go, you know, kind of prettied up the report, maybe put some branding on it and, and delivered it that way. So what things besides vulnerabilities listed in, a, in your final report would kind of indicate that you got a, a good quality pen test? Well, yes, the list of vulnerabilities is good, um, but how they actually impact your business is usually something the vulnerability scanner cannot do. 
It will not understand if you are um, in possession of, of intellectual property or you know, maybe it'll recognize credit cards or social security numbers, but there's just so much that it doesn't know in terms of how your specific business is impacted by those vulnerabilities. So what we like to see at the end of, of a list of vulnerabilities would actually be something like an attack narrative that talks a lot about how those vulnerabilities are leveraged together to create a bigger impact. So for example, there may be one vulnerability that seems like, ah, it's not super serious, and maybe there's another one that it's a medium, it's, it's not super severe, it's not on its own gonna crumble the organization, but there's plenty of times where, for example, a low and a medium severity vulnerability together can create a critical impact. Um, and, and again, a vulnerability scanner on its own is not gonna do this, not gonna know that, um, and a pen test will be able to elaborate on that a lot more. Um, a pen tester may not know the ins and outs of every last piece of your business, uh, but they have the human element of taking everything that they've seen and painting a picture. Um, and again, something you'll mess with a vulnerability scanner. So when you're looking at your report, um, if it's missing any of that kind of custom logic into how it integrates into your business, there's a pretty high chance it was a really uh, basic scan of your environment. And if there's a lot to talk about, um, there's, there's a good chance that you got a high quality pen test. Uh, one last thing that I will say we've started to notice in the industry is companies offering a automated pen test or some sort of pen test in a box. Uh, it's, they don't want to use the words vulnerability scanner, um, but they're really just a, I guess, a fancy vulnerability scanner. It's still missing the human element at the end of the day, even if there is a little more configuration involved. Um, it, it's still a product that a malicious party or, or an ethical party could analyze and figure out what it's not doing or what it is doing and just work around that. <clears throat> because that is what cybersecurity has been historically as a game of cat and mouse. So let's say you've gotten a report from a vendor uh, and you're not really sure what you got. You don't know if it was a vulnerability scan cloaked as a pen test. You don't know if it was just a, a, a a great effort pen test, but there really wasn't a lot to talk about because you're doing well. Uh, if you're not sure, there's a good chance the vendor didn't sit down with you and go through that report, um, which is something we always do. Uh, we want to make sure that anybody that looks at the reports we deliver understands them completely, and they're delivered with a phone call that explains to you everything you're looking at. So if you're looking at a report and you're not sure what you're looking at, we're probably the right people to contact. You could go to sadarasecurity.com and you could get more information about contacting us. We'd be happy to look at some of these reports and tell you what we think. Uh, we'll be honest. We don't want your, your network security to um, struggle because of any assumptions that were made on a report. Thank you for watching the Whiteboard series from Sadara. My name is Nick Hours. You could feel free to reach out to sadarasecurity.com for more information. Thank you.